The following is a hoop bowl presentation. It's the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. Hope you're having a fantastic end of your weekend as hopefully we're getting this to you on Sunday night. I am Brandon Marcus. And for the first time, I have a co-host. I was talking about how I might have a surprise for you in an episode coming soon. And boy, I did not wait very long to give you that surprise. It's Corbin Ford. You can find him on Twitter, at CorbinMBA. You can follow me on Twitter, at BDMarcus. Corbin, it's an honor. It's a privilege. I uh, had a show or two that I was on with you last year. Uh, I think it was one of the nightly premium shows. But now... You're my uh, my new co-host. Welcome and uh, enjoy your time with the Clippers. But very much a humble welcome to you for the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Brandon. I, I really do appreciate it. I'm excited and uh, ready to get rolling. This is this is a lot of fun, I'm sure. And um, again, I'm, I'm humbled. <laughs> it's an honor for me. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, so people know you're actually. Am I getting this right? You're a Lakers fan. Yeah, yeah. I can't okay. even hide that. I, I'm, I'm a big Lakers fan. Okay. Um, so, but, you know, I, I like to think that my love of the NBA in general can leave me without bias. I left, have left all bias as soon as I turn the mic. So that will not be an issue, um, and I will attempt to curtail any uh, Lakers bleeding talk into any conversations. I'm, I, I pride myself on uh, trying to leave some of the fandom at the door, except when I see the Lakers play the Clippers, in which case, you know, I'll hold myself out. Okay, well, that, that's fair. So for people that have been <laughs> listening to this since day one, they know that I have been a Clippers fan since – about 2000 and what will be interesting about this podcast is we're going to get an unbiased point of view from Corbin as opposed to the uh the Clippers colored glasses that I wear Corbin will bring an interesting point of view to the podcast so most likely it'll be me and Corbin uh one day a week and then we'll have somebody else whether it be Andrew Greif obviously was our last guest um, someone from the LA Times, whether it's Jovan Buha from The Athletic, whether it's Noah Eagle, Brian Seaman, we'll have plenty of Clippers guests. Uh, we'll probably do that midweek, but it, it could change. I mean, we never know. But nonetheless, before we get into this, all this Clippers talk, because there's a lot of PG and Kawhi talk to get to, this podcast, like all our shows, is brought to you by our title sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company. Check out their website at hawaiianisles.com on Amazon. By searching for Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee or on Twitter at High Kona Coffee. Corbin, are you a coffee guy? Because I'm not. But I, you know I, I know it's a good coffee. Okay, see, I, I have to. Sometimes if I'm running on like a long night and early morning, I will. I don't particularly like to, but I'm all about the taste. So I'm, I'm more of a um coffee, a cream to my a coffee to my cream type of guy. But um okay. if it's a good coffee, I'll drink it, you know? I'll give it a shot. Okay, okay. Well listen, that's fine. I, I'm more of a <laughs> let's go to coffee bean and get an ice blended type of person. Um, okay. I don't drink my I straight up that. coffee. I, frankly, I can't really have caffeine, so that's part of the reason. Um, so you go with that decaf stuff. But either way, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, good place to get your coffee. Now let's get into the Clippers stuff. Uh, it would have been a very somber podcast if the Clippers not dismantled Atlanta yesterday, 150 to 101, after losing at Houston, at New Orleans. We knew Kawhi was going to play in one of those games, and we knew PG was going to play in the other because obviously Kawhi is a guy that 
is not going to play back-to-back nights. We were speculating on Tuesday with Andrew. Would it be that Kawhi is going to play one game and then PG plays the other? That's what I initially thought, and I thought that made the most sense because it gives you the best chance to get two wins. So much for that. They lost both games. Or you can put them all together, Kawhi and PG, in the same game so they can get those reps together. Well, turns out the logical thing was to put them together to get those reps, and that didn't happen. They got split up Wednesday and Thursday. Kawhi ended up playing 41 minutes in that game on Wednesday. PG returned on Thursday, and all he did was play 24 minutes and go 10 of 17 from the field, 10 of 10 from the line, 3 of 5 from 3, 33 points, 9 rebounds, and 4 assists, and a 5-point loss. Didn't play a ton of minutes. He was very productive, and you can start to see what it's going to be like with George and Kawhi on the floor together. Now, Corbin, before we get into PG, because there's a lot to really dive into with him, I want to talk about Kawhi. We have mentioned his load management several times in this podcast. I said at first I didn't like it. If he's healthy, have him play. Then it came out that he actually is not healthy, but he's healthy enough to play every other day, not back-to-back games. And then all of a sudden, we found out yesterday He wasn't healthy enough to play against Atlanta. Now the question is, how concerned should we be as Clipper fans, me being the Clipper fan, how concerned should I be, you being the NBA fan and someone that likes to see Kawhi on the floor, because we expected to see him in this game on Saturday. We knew he was going to sit out on Thursday with PG coming back. It was a back-to-back. He did not play. Now the question is, was it because it was Atlanta and they knew they were going to get an easy win at home? Or is it something more to be concerned about when it comes to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard possibly not being on the floor for a while? I'll give my answer first. The one thing that was positive is that after the game, the reporters asked Doc Rivers, should we expect to see Kawhi and Paul George together on the floor on Monday? And he said, most likely. Now, that's a very good answer. It could have been much worse if he would have said, not sure about that. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how Kawhi's feeling. He could have easily given that answer, but he didn't. And he said, most likely. Now, if is this something that he's saying just to keep everybody off his back and to keep everybody off Kawhi's back for a couple of days? That I'm not sure about. How do you read those words from Doc? You know, I feel like he kind of has to say that, though, right? I mean, Doc's been playing the media game, and I mean, especially the last two years with the pursuit of Kawhi and having Kawhi on the team and him being healthy and then not being healthy. I mean, he's been kind of struggling to find his footing, it would appear, as far as what to say and what not to say. I think if you say that he's not available, then yeah, this weekend is going to be crazy for the Clippers um, spilling into tomorrow because you have all of this talk about Kawhi and his health and everything, and that's a further distraction. If you say most likely, I mean, now you're putting that expectation um, on the general media and fans at large that you will see Kawhi and Paul George there together. So I kind of feel that question for him was one where, you know, there wasn't really a right answer or one that that would um, have the nuance that is probably necessary without invoking any extra attention on the entire situation. That being said, to, to answer the first question about Kawhi, um, it's it's been interesting. I do think that there is some concern, if only because I think an easy game against Atlanta where you can play both those guys 20, 25 minutes apiece to build that um, chemistry on the floor with actual NBA game action would be perfect for those guys. It's, it's not a high-stakes heavy game. You get in there a little bit, you play together just to get that done and out of the way, and then maybe you rest on Monday or something, depending on you know how we're feeling after that. So the fact that Kawhi 
wasn't it wasn't healthy and not Ono was rest but no was injury could easily be construed as the Clippers trying to be wise and go okay we're gonna have to limit what days we call rest and what days we can just say out and out hey it's that that injury that he has and also no he might seriously be hampered in dealing with that you know he has increased defensive attention um this year more of an increased workload and there were times where he does seem to be laboring so maybe that is something to tie into um I'm choosing to take that approach and I, I would rather not but I do think that where there's smoke, there's fire, and that there is something there. Yeah, he's clearly not healthy. I mean, that's obvious from anyone that can just look at this NBA landscape and see how he's being treated. He's not healthy. But that being said, I'm going to look at it with a little bit of optimism because Beverly sat out too. So I think it's possible that the two of them were just given an extra couple of days of rest, them being veterans and having injuries. And that's what I'm hoping. Now, as someone that has seen every bad thing possible happen to Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and company getting injured at every single time that the Clippers have had a chance to do something, uh, forgive me if I can't be completely optimistic. Because as a Clippers fan, you've been through the ringer seeing everything negative happen to your franchise. So that's where I'm a little concerned because if this is something that's going to linger and it turns out Kawhi is not healthy and he does not play tomorrow, then I'm going to be very concerned. I'm a little bit concerned right now, probably about a two and a half, three on the scale, uh, more optimistic because of the Beverly sitting out and because of Doc saying that most likely they'll play together on Monday. Now, if they sit out, in this game against Oklahoma City, then I'm going to be concerned because that means that both guys, Beverly and Kawhi, are not healthy, and we don't know how long Kawhi is going to be out. And as somebody that plays fantasy basketball, um, I <laughs> own Kawhi Leonard, and this is a fantasy basketball site, Hoop Ball, of course, at Hoop Ball Fantasy. You can follow everybody. Um, but, yeah, I, I need to see tomorrow. I need to see if he's going to play, and then we can kind of go from there. But – one thing I don't like, Corbin, and I'm not sure what you think about it, I don't love that Kawhi played 41 minutes against the Rockets. I, I know he said he was fine, and that's another reason to think that maybe he is okay, um, even though Doc said he got hurt during that Houston game, so maybe he can't trust Kawhi when he says he's fine. But I, I don't like that he played 41 minutes. I think that you clearly don't care as much right now about getting that W when you're sitting guys on back-to-back. So if you don't care as much about getting that W, don't play Kawhi Leonard 41 minutes because that's going to obviously have an impact. I completely agree. There was really no kind of place for that in my opinion. I mean, I get playing that if you're healthy and you're trying to make a statement win over a team that you see as, you know, you're, you're kind of jockeying with them on contender status in the Western Conference. That makes sense to me in, in a – I guess, optic standpoint from that end. But if you're a player who, I mean, Kawhi has seemed kind of out of sorts since the beginning of the season, in my opinion, in certain cases. So if, if, if that is indeed the case and you're trying to manage that injury and, and, and be reasonable about it, and you already said it, like you're, the winning is obviously you go to play a game to win, but it's all, also not the main goal when it's coming on back-to-backs and things of that sort, then yeah, you, you take it a little easier. I mean, Houston was on fire early. I mean, you could even said, okay, after Houston jumped out such a big lead, 
okay, let's start reining in a little bit. Like, let's do the Steve Kerr concede game where, you know, he probably wouldn't have done it as early. But just start moving your 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 attention to the next game and, and getting some young guys in and, and, and focusing on getting Kawhi some active rest. Yes, he came in the game, he got 25 minutes, and, you know, it is what it is. So playing 41 in a game that, yes, while winnable, also had a, a sense of, okay, you know, this is just James Harden's night. Um, the Rockets aren't going to be caught. It, it did have a little sense of irresponsibility from my end, especially if you're trying to manage – I mean, this is a delicate situation. You're managing a superstar, two superstars with injury issues, that one of which has to be maintained throughout the year to have him primed and ready to go come playoff time where you really, really need that. So, yeah, I, I, I find it interesting to kind of, I don't know, even gauge how the Clippers have been playing Kawhi's injury. Do you feel confident in the way that they've been um, making that work? Because there's some decisions they make that I say, okay, it makes sense to play him here. Others, doesn't make sense. And then others, okay, it makes sense to play. But why, like you said, why so many minutes, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's just weird that you're not going to play him in a back-to-back but you are going to play him 41 minutes in a game. That That's a little concerning to me. And I know they were trying to come back in that game against Houston, but to play Kawhi 41 and to also play Lou Williams 41, and for Lou, it's not just the fact that he's a veteran, but the fact that his defense has just not been there so far this year, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And you had Zubats, who's been tremendous so far this season, and he only played 10 minutes in that Houston game. It's just very weird, the minutes so far this season. And you can see it's all going to work out. I'm very optimistic that if Kawhi and PG are healthy, this is all going to work out. The Clippers are going to be fine come playoff time. They have several guys they can go to. I love what Zoo has done this season. He's been tremendous defensively. But with this Kawhi thing, when you have a guy that can't play a back-to-back, but you do still play him 41 minutes in a game, the question is, how healthy is he? How hurt is he? Do we really know? And where do you actually draw the line with taking care of him? And right now it seems like the Clippers are still trying to figure that out. Yeah, and and to piggyback on that, I'd say they're still trying to figure out how they distribute minutes because you're Mm -hmm. right. You you, you mentioned again, Kawhi playing so many minutes, but while you mentioned Zubac and how he's been playing so much better, he has an 8.5% block rate. He's been effective on the boards, putting up career highs on both rebound rate and offensive rebound rating, and he's only getting 15 minutes a game. Um, which is, again, concerning when you have someone valuable out there who is improved immensely. I mean, even offensively and, and being a Lakers fan, and I don't want to reflect on giving him away, but the point being, his hands were rough in L.A. I mean, he had some, you know, some, as far as some catchable passes that he was able to convert, but he's gotten so much better off of the screen and roll just getting passes, even ones that aren't the most well-placed and, and putting them in the basket. So, I'm just saying that because you mentioned Zubash and his proven, but you could be giving guys like him more minutes and kind of give older vets like Lou Williams, who, like you said, is playing a lot, and also defensively teams are hunting him at every turn, and a Kawhi Leonard who, if not injured, is definitely laboring at points, and give those minutes to other players. The, the Clippers are a very deep team, so it's not even just Kawhi that's a concern. In my opinion, it might be the minutes distribution in lieu of the fact that you do have guys that need monitoring long-term moving forward. Yeah. Uh, I agree. So before we move on to the Paul George thing, I got to tell you all about this very incredible thing that Hoopball is doing. You know our founder, Aaron Bruski, he is writing an email newsletter for the 2019-2020 season. It's exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. It's not on the website. It's not in any podcast. It's not on social media. It's only in the email. It'll pop up in your inbox. It's a newsletter. You can sign up. You can get it for free. Just go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter and sign up in 10 seconds. Again, the site is hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. 
Aaron Brewski straight to your inbox every single week. And I got to tell you guys, it is incredible. Not only does Brew touch on the biggest stories so far in the line, or he does, does it pretty much every week. He talks about the biggest stories of that week. Then he gives his three Kings things because he's a big Sacramento Kings guy. And then he talks about the fantasy assets for every single team. He doesn't skip a team every week. No, no. He does every single team. And he talks about the fantasy assets. It's incredible. Corbin, I'm not sure if you've gotten a chance to read it all every single Monday. It pops mm-hmm. up in my inbox. I make sure to read it. It really is incredible. Oh, no, I definitely do get it. I, I was, He was talking about his kid. I thought that was fun. The Kings talk is hilarious because I get that fandom. You know, you can be objective and cover it, but, hey, you had your team. And his insight is so deep. I mean, I I love fantasy. I've been a bunch of fantasy leagues. I'm not the best at it. <laughs> so to kind of get those tips and, and, and insight that you just said you're not going to find anywhere else is so, so valuable. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's talk PG. This guy has been unbelievable to the point now where Clippers Twitter – is starting to say that PG may actually be better than Kawhi Leonard. Now, I'm not getting there quite yet. I think that we're all forgetting what Kawhi Leonard did in the playoffs last year and the numbers that he put up. I understand that Paul George was third in MVP voting, third in Defensive Player of the Year voting. Incredible player. There's no doubt about that. I want to read some numbers right now, though, from Kawhi George. Or Kawhi George. I wish that was one player. From <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> from Paul George's start. So he had 37 points in last night's game. That's the most ever by a player in less than 21 minutes. He played 20 minutes, had 37 points. Now, some more PG numbers. 70 points in his first 44 minutes. That's not even a full basketball game. 70 points. That means he's averaging just over 57 per 36. You expect him to eventually get to that 36 total. He's averaging over 57 points. That's not going to be sustainable. There's no doubt about that. He's going to have to share touches when Kawhi gets back. But nonetheless, at the free throw line, he's getting there a lot, which is what the Clippers need to do. 21 for 21. He has not missed a free throw yet. Field goal percentage, 20 for 34. Just under 59%, 58.8. And you must say, well, he's probably not taking many threes because that's a low percentage shot. Well, how about 16 of his 34 shots? That's nearly half have been from deep. And he's 9 for 16 on those threes. That is 60% from deep. This Clippers team needed to add a three-point shooter. All they did is add one of the best in the NBA and one of the best scorers in the NBA. Corbin, it is impressive as hell. He has been incredible to start. He was interviewed after the game yesterday, and they asked, why have you been so efficient? How is this possible? And he said... I have two brand new shoulders. Clearly, the shoulders were hampering last year, just like this knee thing is hampering Kawhi, and he's still putting up crazy numbers. It is unbelievable to see that PG has taken the next step when he was already third in the MVP voting last year. Absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah. No, PG at this point is in his absolute prime. We saw him tear it up in OKC last year. And you already mentioned, had it not been for those shoulder injuries, who knows how far that tear would have gone. He wouldn't have gotten MVP, I'm pretty certain, obviously, with Giannis playing the way he did. But he was strong, and he had clearly become a clear-cut A1 number one option for that team. Just was unstoppable in clutch points. I mean, he was hitting clutch shots against the Houston Rockets with those shoulder injuries. So, I mean, it's amazing to see him bounce back, get those shoulders repaired, and come as if he had never left. No, not even that, gotten better. So that's insane. I'm more impressed with the 21 for 21, like you said, from the line. Not only is he making all his free throws, he's gotten there a few times. Um, and he's taking some hits to his body and to his shoulders. So he's not showing any fear 
of going um, into contact. I mean, he's lighting it up from mid-range, from deep, at the line, getting to the line consistently. I mean, yeah, I'm not going to say he's better than Kawhi either because you're right. Like, recency bias. We've seen two fire games of Paul George, one of which was against the Hawks. He could have had 50, and they were just getting blown out. But that doesn't even matter because you're making the shots. But to me, let's let's not discount what Kawhi did. And also, I mean, let's if we're going to be optimistic Clippers fans here, let's just marvel at what we're going to have from an offensive sense and as defensive terrors on the wing with Kawhi and Paul George. We've been talking about it all offseason as soon as, you know, the signings and trades were announced. But the fact that now they're actually going to be, you know, playing together, I mean, geez, with Paul George coming out like this, you can only be excited as Clippers fans because you're finally getting what you've been looking forward to for the last three months. Yeah, it, it was a lot of hype. And now we're actually seeing these guys on the floor. And, man, I, I don't think I realized how good Kawhi Leonard was. And then mm -hmm. he took the floor and he started making ridiculous shots. And he took over games. His defense was very good. I still think he could be even better defensively. He actually has been a very great distributor this year. And I think that's going to help a lot because it's going to – find PG for open looks if he's going to be able to pass the ball as well as he has. But I also didn't realize how good Paul George was. When you don't have these guys on your team and you don't watch them as often, I don't think anybody realized that Paul George was going to be this good this quick. We were talking on the uh, Fantasy NBA Today show with Dan, and Dan and I were talking, and Dan said, you know what, normally the first game I'm not going to start a guy back from injury. He's got a lot of hype. Still want to see him knock the rust off. And then the second game, if they do well the first, they normally come down to earth a little bit because they've got all that adrenaline in the first game. And then in the second game, they come back to earth. And he said, probably the third game is when I'll start a guy like Paul George. Well, PG, like I said, has been unbelievable in his first two games. I mean, he has scored 70 points in 44 minutes. 70 points. He has found it so easy to get buckets. And yeah. I'm salivating at what we're going to see with PG and Kawhi on the floor. Because you have two guys that are incredible scorers, incredible defenders, but on the offensive end, because that's where I want to focus right now, you have PG that can shoot the three. Kawhi can shoot it, not as well as PG. Kawhi's incredible in the mid-range. He can juke people and get to his spot whenever he wants, bullies people down low. You wonder how good the Clippers are going to be offensively, because you throw Trez in there. You throw Lou Williams. You throw Shamit when he's healthy. It's really a lot of options that the Clippers have now, and they're going to be very tough to stop. It's that simple. Yeah. I mean, this is just fear for not only people in the Western Conference who are rooting for their teams outside of the Clippers to you know make it to the finals, but just in general. You're right. As they come into their own, um, it's a perfect matchup as far as talent concerned on the wings. Their games can really complement each other. It's crazy. And, and yes, I, I'm going to say just one time as a Lakers fan, it's quite scary. This was what we all saw. Like, the, as good as LeBron and AD are hand in glove, um, Kawhi and Paul George, yikes, just switchable. I mean, we could talk about them all day. Yeah, the one thing that will be interesting, and we talked about it with Kawhi, is the minutes and who's going to get minutes alongside Paul George and Kawhi. Doc talked about this sliding lineup that he's going to use. It's going to change from night to night. We've already seen that. Who is going to start with PG and Kawhi? Who's going to play the most minutes next to these two guys? And that's what I'm intrigued to see because that's going to be Doc's toughest coaching job. He's got mm -hmm. the talent. It's figuring out who to put around these guys. Kawhi and PG are great defensively, so you can afford to have a guy like Lou Williams on the floor with them. 
The question is, do you want to put Trez out there? Do you want to put Zoo out there? Do you want to put both of them out there and have a bigger lineup of Zoo and Trez and Kawhi, PG, and a point guard, whether that be Beverly or somebody else? We already knew that Beverly was a great defender, then put him with PG and Kawhi, and you're not going to get anything on the perimeter. Now I'm curious what Doc is going to do because you can do the 2-3 with Kawhi and PG, or you can do the 3-4, and that's going to be, I think, his toughest coaching job this season. Yeah, I do not envy <laughs> anything that Rivers is going to have to go through. Um, it's like a 2K challenge from I don't know where because it is tough. And with each lineup change, not only does could it bring additional flexibility in some cases, but different flaws or things have to be short up in others. I, I know speaking for myself, I think it would be great to have um, Beverly and the Williams at the 1 and 2, then have uh, Paul George and Kawhi, and then put Montrez because you have energy there offensive versatility and def- you know, your weaker defenders can be shored up by three pretty strong defenders um two of which are pretty switchable and one who's just a dog in beverly who switches even when you probably don't think he should and still holds up reasonably well <laughs> yeah it, it's interesting because mm-hmm. we saw terrence mann come into the lineup and he started the last yeah. couple of games because doc didn't want to mess with his bench he had Lou and Trez start one game, then they came off the bench the next. He kept Mann in as the starter for Beverly, who's missed the last couple of games. And, boy, Terrence Mann yesterday, and I don't want to completely blow off the PG talk, but we're pretty much done with that. We'll come back to it sporadically. Mann started yesterday. He played 33 minutes, 13 points, 6 of 8 from the field, 1 of 1 from the line, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, and just 2 turnovers. He played 33 minutes, and he was the point guard for this team. When you can find a guy that can contribute to your team, that was a second-round pick. There was a lot of hype around Terrence Mann. When I say a lot, I mean there was a lot during the preseason. All the Clippers were saying he deserves more minutes. He didn't do great in his first couple of games in a Clippers uniform. But, boy, he was tremendous yesterday. And then Jerome Robinson got a chance to shine as well. He played 33 minutes off the bench. And all he did was score 21 points to go along with four rebounds, two steals, and two blocks. He was 8 of 13 from the field, 5 of 7 from three. And Jerome Robinson is a guy that the Clippers had high hopes for, and he hadn't done quite enough to please Clipper fans. People don't remember that he was actually the other guy the Clippers drafted with Shea in the first round last year. Now, you have two guys in Mann and Robinson that are contributing. It's incredible. It really is incredible, and... For the Clippers to have the ability to bring a guy like Mann into the starting lineup and still beat a team, I don't care if it's Atlanta without John Collins. I do not care. But to beat an NBA team by damn near 50 points is incredible, and it says a lot about the Clippers' depth. Yeah, which is insane. I mean, you're even mentioning these two young guys who have come out and have played just amazingly well, but you already have a bench just littered with people who could be starters and were starters up to last year on other teams. Um, so, and all this alongside a, a very, very strong starting five with, and that's regardless of a number of lineups that get trotted out for the Clippers. This team's depth is crazy. And again, ties back to a point that doc Rivers has a, a hard task ahead of him because you're managing minutes, but you have players who can get a lot of run. You have players who should get a lot of run players who aren't going to get some that could get some more. This is a steady team where, I mean, you guys go – the Clippers go deep. They mm-hmm. go deep. There's players here that they, they can play multiple roles, multiple positions, switchable. Offensively, they're different. It, it's it's something to be said to have depth. 
Um, and if you utilize correctly and you're managing minutes and egos especially, I mean, this team's already a terror. But again, wow, like their depth is a huge strength of theirs. Now, curious to get your point of view on this. I'm going to give you a bunch of names, and mm-hmm. you got to pick five that are going to start. You have Paul okay. George and Kawhi Leonard that are going to start. No doubt about that. Now, who are your other three starters? Pat Beverly, Mo Harkless, Ivatsa Zubats, Roddy Magruder, Montrez Harrell, Jamichael Green, Lou Williams. Who are your other three guys alongside PG and Kawhi? Yikes. Yes. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, I know I just referenced it and said um, – Lou Williams, Pat, and uh, Montrez. But now that I'm thinking about it, there's going to be another big guy, either in Zubat or Jermichael Green, who can pick and pop very well. Uh, okay, I'm just going to do it really quick with that. All right, so we have Kawhi Paul George. I'm going to bring Pat Beverly out there. Okay, I agree. Um, I'm going to put – you know what? I'm going to call Audible. I'm going to put Jermichael Green, and I'm going to go with Zubac. Let's Let's go a little more traditional. Um, Pat and – um, George in the backcourt, Kawhi at the three, Jamichael at the four, Zubac at the five. Um, take Zubac out midway through, bring in Trez, you know, take out Pat Beverly, bring in Lou Williams. I think that I think that's your starting five. Um, Pat Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Jamichael Green, and Evita Zubac. I think that's a pretty good response, and that means that you would have a bench – of Lou Williams, when Shamit's healthy, it'll be Shamit. So Williams, Shamit, Trez, Harkless, Patrick Patterson. Those will be your five guys off the bench. And it's pretty dang good. Now, the only change I think we might see is I think, as much as I love Jermichael Green, I think he should start, by the way. I think he really is yep. that good. Um, but I'm not sure if Doc's actually going to make that change. Pat- it's very possible Patterson is that guy. And Green still comes off the bench because it seems like he's thrived in that role. But right there, that's 10 guys that you're very confident in if you're the Clippers. And that will be the thing to see night to night. Who's going to be the 2-3 or the 3-4? Because if you're rolling out Kawhi and PG at the 3-4, then you're probably just going to start Zoo, most likely, every night. I don't think you're going to start Trez. Maybe you start Trez if you want to get off to a good start, but that's also been a weak spot for the Clippers, by the way. Is the first quarter, for some reason, the Clippers have come mm-hmm. out really slow. They still gave up 30 points against Atlanta last night, despite scoring 43 themselves. So I think the first quarter has to be better, and that's where Doc needs to figure out the first five or six minutes. And what do you know? Those are the starters. So that will be interesting to watch, no doubt about that. Anything else you want to say about the starting lineups or PG before we look at the week ahead? Uh, no, I think I think we got it pretty much in depth. Got this two matchup. I know you are. I'm just throwing out my thoughts. It's going to be kind of fun to see them both play together and to see what Doc does um, and then reevaluate even further when Shamit comes back. Really hope that Kawhi and PG debut together tomorrow. I, I really hope that's the case. And what do you know? Monday, November 18th, it's Oklahoma City at home. The Clippers continue this five-game homestand. It started with Atlanta last night, continues with Oklahoma City Monday, Boston Wednesday, Friday against Houston, New Orleans on Sunday, and Oklahoma City. You know what that means. Hello, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Hello, Danilo Gallinari. Hello, Chris Paul. All three will return to Staples Center. Video montage is going to occur for both Shea Gilgis-Alexander 
and Danilo Gallinari, two incredible players for the Clippers last year. They were pivotal to what the Clippers did. I'm very excited for the matchup. How excited are you to see three guys who used to wear that Clippers uniform come back, especially Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who the Clippers just had as a baby, and then they just let him fly, and he has really flown (laughs) and been incredible with the Thunder. Oh, no, he has. I'm very much looking forward to that game. That's kind of the game to watch. Um, I think people under, understate well, a little bit of Gallinari's impact that aren't Clipper fans, but Gallinari and Shea Gilgis-Alexander made that team or, or added that extra, in, in Gilgis-Alexander's case, that youthful energy, great play. I mean, he was great as a rookie, a total stud. And Danilo, steady scoring, you know, ball handling, play, playing the way that Gallinari plays. Um, those two were a pivotal part of that team that that, that played really strong they every game was a tight one for them that they were in that i definitely was what i was paying attention to and we can't forget that first round against golden state where they were more than just a blip absolutely they had that epic comeback i don't know if that was game two or game three game two um game two there you go so i mean that was impactful like those guys were a big part they set the culture in fact you look at them both literally um in terms of pieces to be used to get paul george and figuratively in terms of putting the clippers on a map as hey we're not just, you know, the other team in Los Angeles, but we're a team with a great culture on the rise. They helped with that to kind of get Kawhi and Paul George over to L.A. So, yeah, they deserve all the praise they can get. It should be a very good game. Um, I really am especially hoping that they do play Kawhi and Paul George again, not only just to see those two, but also because I think, okay, she's an interesting matchup. They have nothing else but lengthy wings. <laughs> um, you, know, you have Alexander, you have Gallinari, um, you got a like bunch Hamadou Diallo, um, Abdul Nader, uh, guys who are, are are wing types, okay, type, and they have a lot of them on the roster. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of that matches up against a team that, you know, has not been a pushover this year. And I don't think they'll roll over tomorrow either. Yeah, I, I like this Oklahoma City team a lot. It'll be interesting to see how Adams does against Zoo. Uh, if Beverly is the one that defends Shea, if Beverly is back. People don't realize how good Gallinari was last year. He really was mm-hmm. the Clippers' best player. He was right there with Tobias Harris. Both guys, I think, were 1A and 1B. It, when Gallo healthy, though, he is one of the top players at that small forward position in the NBA or power forward, wherever you want to put him. He's incredible. Two ESPN games Wednesday and Friday against Boston and Houston. We'll see if Kawhi and PG play in both those games. I know ESPN is hoping and praying since they have really gotten screwed so far when it's been their turn (laughs) to have the Clippers on. That game against Boston will be really good. It'll be fun to watch them against that team and then to see how they adjust against Houston, a team that they could not defend. They could not stop James Harden. Terrible defense against him throughout the entire game. Although, this whole Westbrook, oh, you know, Westbrook, oh, yeah, Harden, he was great. He couldn't be stopped. Beverly can't defend. Well, you know, Pat Beverly was incredible on James Harden. The numbers show it. I don't have the exact numbers. I think he was 0 for 6 or something with Pat Beverly guarding him, which shows you how good. That's exactly, yeah. Yeah, he, he was great. So that's a game that I'm looking forward to as well. A lot to look forward to this season, but this week's going to be a big one. You have four home games against Oklahoma City, Boston, Houston, New Orleans. Where are you as a team before you go on the road for three games? Any final thoughts? 
Uh, should be a fun week. Looking forward to catching all of those games. Really hoping Houston is somewhat healthy so we get a better matchup um, with that final um, Clippers-Houston uh, game on Friday. You can follow Corbin Ford on Twitter, at CorbinMBA. You can follow me on Twitter, at BDMarcus. He's Corbin Ford. I'm Brandon Marcus. This has been the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Go ahead, follow us on Twitter, at Clips is where you can find the pod. We obviously post it every single time that we get out there. Go ahead, rate and review the podcast if you can. Give us that five-star rating. Leave us a review. It helps us out a lot. So until next time, I'm Brandon. He is Corbin. Have a good one. Enjoy this week of Clippers basketball, and we'll talk to you throughout the week. Have a good one, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.